0: I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting, part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com.
1: You are listening to the Starling Tribune, a podcast dedicated to the Arrow TV show. I am the Green Arrow. The Green Arrow has entered through the front door. This podcast is not produced or maintained by the CW, Warner Brothers Television, CTV, or DC Comics. All characters, situations, and stories are the properties of Time Warner. I am the Oracle, and this is your Tribune.
2: Welcome back to the Multiverse's last newspaper. We call it the Starling Tribune, now broadcasting from a cleaning closet in the Vanishing Point. I am the chief editor, SP, actually, I'm just, you know, one of three left here, and your other award-winning reporters for this special episode number 260 of the Starlink Tribune are Chris. Wait, so so the Superman thing is real? It's really super weird, too. And Michelle. Ignore him. It's his first crossover. Oh, getting at elongated, man. And, of course, them breaking the fourth wall again in the crossover this podcast is recorded on thursday january 9th 2020 welcome to 2020 guys
0: double crits yes all right live on www.geeks.live that's right and this evening we'll be discussing arrow as well as news interviews articles and announcements have dropped in the last week that could let's be honest, will impact future episodes of Arrow as well as the rest of the shows in the multiverse. That means The Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, they're all fair game. A friendly reminder, this is part of our ongoing crisis coverage. This episode of the Starling Tribune is only talking about part three. If you have not watched part four or five and you're listening to this at a later date, you're fine. We're not talking about it here. This is a safe place. So come Join us. Talk about Crisis Part 3.
3: If you're new to the show, thank you for searching us out on the internet and joining us. After the show, you can check out our content at gondageeat.com, where you can also find other geeky videos, podcasts, and articles.
2: Thanks, guys. It's been a while, but I'm excited to get back to it. Michelle, why don't you go ahead and break down this episode of The Crossover for us?
3: Well, this is Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 3, and it's technically Flash Season 6, Episode 9. It aired Tuesday, December 10th, 2019. It was directed by David McWhorter. Credits include 7 Flash, 5 Supergirl, and 8 Blindspot. Writers. The story was by Eric Wallace. Credits include 7 episodes of Flash, 16 Wolf, and 5 Eureka. There are two writers for the teleplay. First is Lauren Serto. Credits include 11 episodes of Flash. And Sterling Gates. Credits include eight episodes of Flash and one Supergirl.
2: All right. What a great creative team behind this episode. Now, we have already gone over all the ratings because all these shows were in the same week. And we are recording this like a month later. But we're getting ready for parts four and five to come out in just a few days. In any event, Michelle took the time to go back and not only get the live ratings, which we talked about two episodes ago. But she got the live plus DVR ratings for all these shows, so we're going to go down them. This crossover started on the 8th of December, like a month and a day ago, with Supergirl Season 5, Episode 9, titled Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 1. Its original live rating was 1.67. Its live plus DVR rating was 2.67, exactly a one bump, which is what Michelle has always said. They get about a one bump, and that's what happened here. On Monday, the 9th of December, 2019, Batwoman aired the ninth episode of their first season, Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 2, to a live rating of 1.71 and a live plus DVR rating of 2.68. That's .03 off of one point uh, bump. So there you go there. And then following Batwoman Black Lightning, Not exactly a direct crossover episode. They aired the ninth episode of the third season titled The Book of Resistance, Chapter 4, Earth Crisis. We talked about that a couple episodes ago. It had a live rating of 0.90 and a live plus DVR rating of 1.42, right around a .52 bump. That's pretty good for an episode that wasn't part of the crossover. And honestly, Black Lightning's been suffering in the ratings department lately, so that was pretty good for them. And then on Tuesday, the 10th of December, Flash aired the ninth episode of their 6th season titled Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 3 to a live rating of 1.73. The live plus DVR rating was 2.71. Again, a point zero four off from the one-point bump. Michelle, you are awesome in pronosticating the one-point bump for all these shows.
3: Yeah, over the years, especially the past couple of years, it's been a million bump with the dvr um some episodes of flash actually get a 1.5 million bump but i think it's interesting that the live plus dvr numbers are really close so it seems as though the same chunk of people were watching them later on on their dvr and it picked up just a little
0: bit too so there's probably some folks that Heard word of mouth went, Oh, I'm lapsed fan. Let me go check out the old episodes and watch this final one and might be here for the home stretch too. And
2: honestly, as I incorrectly stated before, we covered this before, these episodes will all be available in lump, hopefully somewhere for purchase, like Voodoo or something like that. So you can go and watch these till your heart's content. All right, Michelle, we're going to talk about the overall theme for the episode. We often equate the overall theme with the title of the episode and the title of the episode is crisis on infinite earths part three so what do you got there what's the theme of the episode
3: well let's see one two three that's right it's the third part of the crossover oh really yeah there's this crisis going on
0: we got to count all the earths now so one
3: well by the end of this we only have one Actually, at the end of this, we don't have one at all. We
0: got none.
3: That's why we're on the vanishing point.
0: I'm going to have
2: to go to my Hewlett-Packard HP 48 GX calculator and make sure that you you got it right with three, okay? Okay. No, I can't do that. It's in the drawer, so I'll just do it on my phone. Let's see. Um, Calculator one plus one plus. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's three. Yeah, you're right. Math, we beat you. Nailed it.
3: Exactly, and many things happen. I'm going to just start right in with Oliver. We get Constantine and Mia. First of all, we finally get Diggle. That scene with Diggle and Sarah, um, Diggle expressing how upset he is about not being told and brought in sooner. And then we have Diggle, Mia, and Constantine. Constantine's having trouble getting in the you know Purgatory. This whole all of these earths and the antimatter wave you know interfering with his magic jojo so he has to go to earth 666 and cash in a favor and this is where we get the tom ellis cameo from lucifer i believe i'm the only one who has watched lucifer
0: correct yeah
3: i'm really glad they brought this in i love lucifer it's available on netflix now for those who have not watched the maze that was mentioned is Mazakin, who is a loyal servant to Lucifer. She's an archdemon, loves torture and all those type of things. There are rules that Lucifer actually has to follow about going from hell to earth. There's one episode that actually talks about like his cycle. He would come, and then his brother, Aminadil, when he makes that dig it dig about you know reminding him of his brother that's a deal. and so there's been this cycle the tv show is when lucifer is just adamant about staying on earth and in order to bring Maze, he obviously had to have help because there are rules and that's where constantine comes in and it's really great so for those of us who watch the show finding out that it's constantine who helped him and that brings it For the comic book, because I've read the Sandman and the Lucifer comic book. So there's that extra layer right there. It was just great. And for those of you who are wondering timeline wise, because he was a very partying Lucy, that's pre Lucifer TV show right there. That's like season one partying Lucifer. If you're wondering how it fits into everything. So,
0: spoiler alert after Crisis, Lucifer's alive still, guys.
3: Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm glad though
0: I have some friends who watch Lucifer, and when they assumed he was going to be in the show, they're like, Well, we gotta figure out where he fits in time wise. Is is the Lucifer TV show at the same set at the same time as the rest of the CW shows? So it's good that there was a clarification that was made. I believe they even talked about it in some interviews after Crisis Part Three to clear up just where this fits into the character's timeline, so probably a good thing.
2: I'm gonna I guess we're in an your parade, I guess it's raining on my own parade because this Lucifer cameo, was great. I mean, it was a great scene, great acted. I've watched it several times. I don't know who Lucifer is because I haven't watched the show. And if you're the average Arrowverse fan, now I say average Arrowverse fan, you might not know either. So the magnitude of this crossover might be lost on you. Regardless, the scene was very well acted between the two and including Lucy, Not pronouncing Constantine's name right. So that was that was funny right there.
3: Well, I mean, you learn that he's the devil because he actually gives him the devil card. And that's how they get into purgatory using that card.
2: I liked how Lucifer was able to ferret out the wants of the pretty girl in front of him, basically. She didn't want to tell him, but she went ahead and said so anyway. And I don't know if she did so as part of she knew she was going to have to deal with him or just his power overpowered her. And she said that anyway,
3: that's his power. One of the ways he gets to be a consultant for the police is how he can look at people and like, what is it that you most desire? And sometimes he can get confessions from criminals that way. So that is part of his power. Okay.
2: It was interesting that the daughter of Oliver Queen got caught up in that.
3: And the whole daddy issues line. (laughs) I mean, the whole series is him dealing with his daddy issues with God. So it was just, it's like, again, it was another layer for those of us. I mean, it works as a scene all by itself. But for those of us who watch the show and have read the comics, it's just layer upon layer and layer for us.
0: Yeah, I think it worked just like a lot of the other little teases we have in here. Like, for instance, we had Birds of Prey to start this show. If you were a huge Birds of Prey fan, you're probably geeking out. If you're someone like me who had a passing memory of it, but didn't really watch a ton of it or remember, you're like, oh, this is a cool Easter egg, the referencing Birds of Prey. So depend your level of fandom doesn't matter. You can still enjoy it, but those that are really dialed in, it just hits that much closer to home. Then you're like, yes, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I love it.
2: I wanted to mention in this episode here that I loved all the cameos in this episode. I think the cameos in this episode worked a lot better than the cameos in the first episode because all the cameos, you got more than just a word or a a scene where you're watching them or something like that. You actually got some dialogue, a few sentences of dialogue. No, it wasn't much, but it was some. So I did like all the cameos, particularly in this episode versus episode one. I think they were more meaningful this time around.
3: So continuing on Oliver and they have to go to purgatory and of course Oliver's purgatory is Lee and you makes sense yeah so Chris how did you like when Diggle and Oliver interacted on well Lee you purgatory well imaginary
0: Lee and you or whatnot or the Lee and you of Oliver's soul I-, I liked it because one of the things I love about this show is the relationship between Oliver and John Diggle they're brothers, not by blood, but by blood they've shed together, for lack of a better term. They've been through hell together. They've got a great relationship. And I kind of love the fact that Diggle's beating himself up for not being there for Oliver. And he's like, I'm going to find a way to bring him back. And he's the one that's able to shake him out of his Oliver's confusion or bloodlust. I'm, I'm not sure if it's actually bloodlust for the soul there, but is able to kind of make Oliver remember who he is. And it's a nice touch point and kind of reminds you, Yeah, Digg's kind of been with him since the beginning of the show, not necessarily since the beginning of his journey, because then you'd have to go back to the flashbacks and things like that where you'd have Sarah. But it's a good reminder and showcases just how important John Diggle is in the show of Arrow and how important that relationship is between him and Oliver Queen.
3: Speaking of cameos, SP, we had, well, the guy come along and tell Oliver his new destiny
2: the guy right so yeah i watched continuum and the guy was on continuum we're talking about specter the character specter here and i think it fit him well again it was a really short cameo but i liked it i enjoyed it i just have an issue with characters like choi and lucifer and specter if you're not reading the comics if you're not familiar with these things uh from past shows these cameos are lost on you and they're not set up at all. It it goes into the broader issue of you only have five shows here, actually six, if you want to count the Black Lightning episode, which I kind of will, but it had nothing to do with the crossover. It was just like an added episode there for effect. And you only have five episodes that are treated as episodes. They're not treated as a miniseries with one director, one continuous story over the arc of it. And you have, we've mentioned it before with Harbinger, And Pariah, the same is true of these characters, including Spectre that came in. And it was just, it was cool watching Spectre with Oliver. I'll admit it, with the eyes and everything, they did a few uh, characters with glowy eyes in this episode, which was pretty cool. So they unleashed the special effects a little bit, just like they did in episode one, although it was easier to follow the story in episode three than it was in episode one. This is a month later, guys. I watched this episode when it first came out. I waited a few weeks and I just watched it again this week. It made more sense this time around, and it got me excited again to see parts four and five. But the cameos, again, the cameos, they could be lost on you, and they could have been lost on you in episode one if you didn't know what we were talking about. We were just so excited at, ooh, look, shiny, crossover, the thing that's been building up for years and decades in some cases, and and we saw it. And, uh, yeah, I I still don't know the full extent of Spectre. and what's Is this the only time we're going to see Spectre? Is Spectre a part of the crisis in Parts 4
0: and 5? It's probably the only time you're going to see that version of Spectre.
3: Because now Oliver is Spectre.
0: That is the implication. Ah.
3: Yeah, I don't know how. Spectre is a big part of Crisis. If you've read the comic, I've read the comic. The TV version is so different from the comic, but Spectre does play a part. So for those of us who have read the comic, that's really you know interesting. I don't know how I feel about Oliver becoming the Spectre. Oliver's the green arrow. He died a hero's death. I understand, I thought it would have been interesting if he, if he would have been like, well, this is my time or something, but I don't know. He's becoming something else. It's almost like.
2: Someone else.
3: Someone else. It's almost like season one, Oliver, you know, season one, you know, Arrow. I must become something else. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about it, Chris? To be
0: fair, part one of the crossover, he did hand off the mantle to his daughter, technically. He did basically call her the Green Arrow, which basically sets it up so that while he is no longer the Green Arrow in the Arrow universe, there still is someone in that role, and that's his daughter. So I guess we sort of should have seen this coming more, considering the fact he handed off his title. It's weird, but we've had other characters be the Spectre before. In fact, one of the more famous arcs in the comics is the fact that uh, Hal Jordan, who is most well-known as being the Green Lantern was the Spectre for many years after he went crazy and destroyed part of the galaxy, which then got retconned to having a parasitic infection from Parallax. But that was how they began to rehabilitate that character after his fall from grace, as he became the Spectre and was able to weave in and out of stories as required. And when you think about how Stephen Amell's role is changing in this show to not being one of the figureheads, but potentially having guest starring capabilities and things like that, The role of the Spectre works in that regard because you wouldn't want Spectre in every episode because he's kind of OP.
2: That's fair. The one issue that I have, and it will be an issue, we talked about it two episodes ago, is that Oliver died not on his own show. That's a foul, I would say. I know that what Mark was... We talked about this two episodes. I don't want to rehash it again. But you do that and then you're transferring him to Spectre, again, not on his own show. And... I don't know. It's a bit of a stretch.
0: The preview makes it look like he's going to play a big part in the next episode, which I believe, is that Flash or is that Legends? I can't remember.
2: This is Flash, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. The next two are back-to-back, same night, In it's Arrow and Legends.
0: So, presumably if what the preview implied is accurate, he's going to play a big role in his new capacity as the Spectre, so it should work in that regard, but I'm still the mindset, like we talked about in part one, while this is technically an episode of Flash we're watching here. It's really crisis part three with a connection to Flash because that's the season the show it aired on. I mean, this is a mini movie that just airs across the different shows is how I'm looking at it.
2: It, Not quite because it is produced episode by episode. Matter of fact, at the beginning of the episode, you had the entire Flash cast just portal in and say, "Okay, we're here, guys. Like, okay, that's how you get Flash in the the. Cast a flash in. You just portal them in and okay, we're going to start our flash episode now. While I agree with you, it's one big arc story, it's probably the best arc story out of all the crossovers. It's still produced episode by episode and you're losing a lot by doing that.
3: Talking about flash, first off, Ray needed help with his Paragon detector and Cisco is a genius. We have Killer Frost, Cisco, and come along and Cisco actually finds the source of the antimatter wave, which is conveniently located in Central City, in the vault that Nash found.
2: It's the nexus. It's the nexus in between the matter and the antimatter world, which is to call it the nexus for this point.
3: And for those who haven't watched The Flash, that moment when cisco and the monitor where the monitor tells him that vibe must live again i really i really wanted that moment i know i could tell that the actor who plays um cisco carlos
2: cisco ramon is the character name
3: yeah he only had a few seconds in that moment but if you've been following that arc I know, SP, you've been following it. That was, I really, it's like the monitor is really a, a wait, I got to use the appropriate word here, a <laughs> jerk. I w- There are other terms that I want to use, but this is a clean podcast. So a jerk, SP.
2: The monitor, by making him vibe again, pretty against his will and everything. And it's not just against his will. He's changed his whole outlook on life. The character has had a tremendous character arc. To get to that point where he was no longer Vibe. And just because you wanted to write Vibe into the crossover, Mark Guggenheim, that you obscure all of that. And you just have the monitor make him into Vibe again because he has an important part to play.
0: And it was awful quick. It's like blinking and you miss it and he's got superpowers again.
2: And the look on his face was like, F you, buddy. And I just have an issue with that especially on the flash's own episode. This is flash and Cisco turned back the vibe on this episode. So if you're watching the flash and you get to the crossover, you're not going to see all five. I don't know how they're going to do this. Uh, If you're buying the series, I can't see them doing all the other episodes. So you get to episode eight and then bingo, this is episode nine of the flash season. And then you see Cisco becoming the vibe again, because the monitor says so it's like, why did we go through all that? They did precursor it because when they were looking at the, and not to spoil anything in the flash, but there was a murder and vibe had to kind of resurface a little bit, but it was still Cisco. It wasn't a full fledged vibe. Came back just to figure out what happened, and it was a really important, you got to know what happened sort of thing. So I could kind of see that, but then boom, all of a sudden, your vibe again. I have a little bit of an issue with that. And I wish they didn't have to do that in order to get through this episode.
3: But he's needed in order to vibe Pariah's memories as Nash, because when Nash became Pariah, all of what he was before was gone. So Cisco vibed the memories and he was able to, you know, beep, boop, 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 get in there. And Chris, what do they find inside?
0: Oh, this is delightful. The cosmic treadmill, it appears, with a Flash running on it that we find out is John Wesley Shipp's Barry Allen from the 1990 Flash TV series. And as someone who remembers being a kid, scheduling time so I could watch the Flash live, I just geek out every time I see him in that classic costume again. And we finally know what happened to Barry after last year's crossover, where he was the last one standing. Uh, I, I geeked out I geeked out hard I I had assumed that's what was going to be happening but it didn't matter I, I still geeked out hard
3: SP
2: there are aspects that you're just going to geek out hard over everything John Wesley ship his final moments as the 90s flash and of course time travel he's speed force and everything we might get him back again this was very powerful you got the scene You got the scene from Flash back in the 90s in this episode. That was, I mean, I remember watching that, and I don't know why, but I do. I don't remember the whole rest of the show, but I remember watching that scene. So getting that scene in this episode, very powerful moment, and gave a conclusion to that. So one of the great things about this crossover is you're getting a lot of conclusions to the characters that are on other shows, like Smallville, an update on Smallville. Where are they right now? Yeah, John Wesley Shipp as a Flash. You got him and Tina. And I, I will say thank you for that. Because without this, you wouldn't be able to tie all this stuff together. I mean, the Keaton Batman, uh, we didn't have a Christopher Reeve cameo yet, did we? I don't think we did in in that. Yes, well, John Cryer, I guess, is kind of part of that. He was in Superman
0: 4. You did get the music from his Superman the John Williams theme in there. I think that's probably the closest you're going to get to a Chris Reeves cameo, unless they have like some recorded voiceover they could use from either Smallville or the previous Superman movies.
2: Well, yeah, and, and not just Christopher Reeve, but any character from the Superman series back then. Aside from that, they've done a, a pretty good job of bringing everything together.
0: Technically, depending on how you look at it, Brandon Routh's Superman is the same as Christopher Reeves' Superman. Because Superman Returns takes place post-Superman 2. And then kind of spins off in its own universe. So I'm just getting you on a technicality, I know. but (laughs) I'm referring
2: to the actors from the original series. And a lot of them have passed away, so granted. But I don't know. Getting Gene Hackman to do a voiceover or something would have been pretty neat. I I doubt he would have done it. But, I mean, it's possible, right?
3: We knew when they said a Flash must die. We kind of figured it was going to be a different Flash. and First off the cosmic treadmill geeking out because that's again part of the comics. And him stealing the speed force from Barry and using it on the treadmill and just completely vanishing. It's it was pure from the comics. And even though I was like, I knew this was going to happen, I teared up a bit. I don't know about you guys, but I teared up a bit.
2: This is the best moment of the crossover so far, really, because we've done like almost Two seasons, or at least a season and a half, of Grant Gustin, like, oh, I'm going to die. Crisis is going to take me. You know that's not going to happen because The Flash is renewed, right? So it's like, no, it's they're not going to cancel Flash. They're not going to take The Flash away. You knew he was going to find some way to still live. But you didn't know how it was going to happen. And to have John Wesley Ship, who's been part of this franchise since season one of The Flash, and have him be the one. It's like, oh my gosh, you're hitting me. It's like this series was meant for people my age. You know, I just did a lot of complaining about it, but it, it is. It's meant for people our age that have seen all this stuff and have been a part of it. And now we get this great scene of him sacrificing himself so that our Barry Allen in Flash can live in the Arrowverse. And yeah, it was it was really it's like, oh, I'm hopefully maybe he's not totally gone. Maybe we'll get him back somehow, but maybe not. So yeah, I think it was it was an appropriate goodbye, not like Oliver Queen's death.
0: I, I will also say one of the best things about his death was how they handled it in the end where all you have left on the treadmill is a scrap of his costume with the uh, logo on it straight out of the comic books right there. It was well done. And I would love to see them adapt it. and I know it will never happen. There is a story in the comics where they tease the return of Barry Allen post crisis. It's after Wally's accepted the role. And you find out it's actually an amnesia and a professor Zoom that has amnesia for a while there, who believes himself to be Barry Allen, who then figures out he's Zoom. And it's a really good story about establishing Wally as the Flash that he can step out of his uncle's shadow. I would love to see it, but we'll never see it live action.
2: So I don't know if either of you two have maintained currency with Rebirth. I got to admit, I haven't. But there was a whole storyline with this treadmill thing in there and how... Uh, Wally and Barry were associated with the treadmill and in Rebirth, the treadmill means a lot. I don't know what it meant in the original crisis, but I know currently, if you're reading the comics today, the treadmill is a big part of some events that happened.
0: The cosmic treadmill is a fairly consistent MacGuffin for the Flash. It basically comes down to.
3: And that's the moment where we also get Black Lightning. He's brought in in order to help contain Okay, this is one of the things that kind of got me. Um when the flash is taken off the treadmill, it's we have to contain the energy because all the earth could all of a sudden like disappear. And I'm going, if the anti monitor could have made all the earths disappear all at once, why didn't he make all the earths disappear all at once? I know because plot, but what?
0: I, maybe it's because that was when the monitor was finally weakened enough that he could do something like that. Cause the implication was the monitor was becoming steadily less powerful throughout crisis is part one and three. If we want to try and find a story based reason for why that could be.
3: I don't know. I know. I, I uh. have to admit, I, I liked black lightning with Barry when they have that conversation on the wave rider about their fathers and learning lessons from their father's I like that conversation.
2: So if you haven't watched Black Lightning, and I don't know if our listeners have or not, let me tell you a little bit about the man behind Black Lightning. You might think, you know, his whole world is gone and he's grieving for his family. He has two daughters, an ex-wife that's basically his wife again. He's got his best friend, which is a government agent, and he's got another friend that's the chief of police. He's very intertwined in the city that he's in, Freeland. And to have all that, go who cares about the whole earth to have that go away from him the school all the students he's a teacher at the high school he was the principal for a while to have all that torn away from him he's got major grieving issues now the thing about black lightning is if you watch the show the man can compartmentalize he can go out he can fight he can come back and he can be upset as all get out So this is not outside of his character to be pulled from his universe, be placed into something like this, decide he's got to do something, do it, and then contemplate everything that's happened. Now, should there have been some more crying and wailing? Probably, you know, after the thing. But he did act within character for the most part in this episode. And I got to say, for that, to bring him in just for that, and I think he is just in for that. I don't think he's in for the rest of it. I think it was well done, so it's one of my few kudos for this crossover. Well done on Black Lightning.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that, because that was one of the things that stuck out to me. I forgot to put it in the show notes, but he gets pulled to our Earth. He seems like he's sad to realize everything he knows has been destroyed. He pulls himself out of that to kind of save things because there's a crisis going on in front of him, and then he just kind of seemed fine after that, so I was wondering if that was normal, because the next we're seeing him, he's on the wave rider shaking hands with Barry, kind of quipping back and forth, and I'm like, dude, if my entire family and earth was gone, I don't know if I'd be in that right mindset. Maybe you're just really good at compartmentalizing.
2: Also, I think he's got the strategic mind scope to understand that it wasn't just his earth. It was like almost every earth at that point had been. So, I mean, he's one of the few survivors left. And you got a whole bunch of time after that to go through survivor's guilt and the grieving process and stuff like that, which I think if, earth one would have been saved that he would have gone through all of that eventually. But since this is a quick five episode crossover, let's get rid of all the earths and let's get rid of black lightning too. And then you don't really have to worry about it. So as a writer, you're like, "Eh, don't worry about it. He'll be gone in a scene anyway.
3: Well, we learned that he's not earth one because his earth is destroyed before earth one is destroyed. So now we know that he's not even on earth one. We have no idea what earth, Black Lightning takes place on. I think it was always
0: implied they were in a different Earth, though, from when the show started. It was never stated anywhere. So I think
2: Michelle's on to a point within the show itself. This is our first indication that it is a separate Earth.
0: I thought the showrunners had indicated that it was. Within, back when it first within the show,
2: you had no indication that Black Lightning was different. Now, yes, outside with the showrunners, with news, with conventions, stuff like that, yes. But inside the show itself, it was never delineated that this was the that black lightning was the only hero that these metas that they've created in freeland were the only superpowers in the universe or in their earth
3: and we get the final moments where lila comes back and she's somehow the (laughs) anti-monitor this is again and i i don't want to harp on the same things you know again we don't see nash become you know pariah and he says that Pariah is purpose is to witness horrible things. And then Lila's there as the anti monitor and there's a fight between the anti monitor and the monitor. And Pariah actually realizes he needs to teleport the paragons someplace safe, which is, is the vanishing point which exists outside of time and space that comes from legends. That's kind of an awesome, really cool legends tie-in. And then, you know, we have all the paragons there. They realize Earth One is, is there. But then something happens to our Superman, doesn't it, Chris?
0: Yeah, he gets a pose that's kind of reminiscent of what we've seen from the covers of the Crisis Comics when Supergirl dies. He's racked with energy, with pain. Kara's holding him in his arms. And as the energy overwhelms him, he then turns into Lex Luthor. What?
2: I kind of thought an alien was going to pop out of his stomach from the inside <laughs> for a second
0: there. I was just like, ooh, okay. I thought he just had some bad chili for lunch. I mean, Mick could be cooking.
2: <laughs> and then we get, you know, the whole crew from the Terminator coming over too so you know <laughs> aliens terminator yeah, you know, the whole thing but yeah it, it was really neat unfortunately it was the end of the brandon ralph superman who we gushed over last time i want to mention that again here he has scenes brandon ralph as superman in this he had a couple of really deep moments in here and he pulled it off again one of the shining moments from the crossover and it's specifically this episode and the last episode congratulations brandon for After all these years, putting on the suit again and being even more of a Superman than you were the first time around and really making that part of the crossover for us. Thank you very much, Brandon.
0: So I don't say this with any disrespect in mind or anything like that. Tyler Hoechlin's getting a Superman show. It's pretty much all been confirmed. As I watch Brandon Routh in this role, I can't help but think this is the Superman show I want to see is the story of Kingdom Come Superman with Brandon Routh in the title role. Not because Tyler Hoechlin's bad. But just because Brandon Routh is so damn good at it, I want more of it.
2: Yeah, really good.
0: And of course, you have to take
2: into account that, you know, he he had gray in his hair. So he's a lot older than the Tyler Hawkland Superman. And I don't know if that would resonate with the CW crowd so much, but it definitely resonates with us because that was awesome. But again, thank you, Brandon Routh, for being Superman, for agreeing to do it. Thank you.
3: I guess we have to, again, give it up to John Cryer. He gets to be more Lex luthor in this crossover than he did in Supergirl.
2: So in the after show part two, which aired after the episode three, John Cryer highlighted it. So he was the first guest on there and Kevin Smith and everybody was talking to him. And he really went into the fact that he did not seek this role out that the producers of Supergirl and then the crossover were searching him out for the role. And I don't know why this whole thing came about. They might have wanted that connection with Superman, because he was again in Superman 4 with Christopher Reed. And they might have wanted that, but he is so good at it. He really channeled Lex Luthor. And I haven't seen all the iterations of Lex Luthor, but he was pretty good at it. Yes, I'll say it better than Gene Hackman. But that's fine. You can give that one up. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm a big Christopher Reeve fan. So, yeah, Gene Hackman will always be my Lex Luthor, for better or for worse. But John Cryer did an amazing job. He was talking about how they called him in and how he was just going to do three episodes of Supergirl. They expanded that. And then... They said, well, since you did a good job, you want to come back with the crossover? He's like, yeah, sure. Let's have some more fun. He's just, he literally said, I'm, I'm having fun playing. He said, we're, I, I always wonder why actors say we're, is it because they're actors or the team around that? I don't know, but he said, we're having fun in this world. So I want to continue it as far as I can. And this crossover was the perfect opportunity for it.
3: I think he's probably referring to like him and the writers and the cast, like we're having fun. Doing this.
0: Whatever. I mean, he did. Yeah. One thing to keep in mind with the Lex Luthor character, too, is Lex doesn't see himself as the villain. He sees himself as the hero. So that's arguably how, in his own mind, he can also justify that he's one of the heroes that should be the paragon, one of the paragons in the end, because in Lex's mind, he is the good guy trying to do everything in part to help himself, yes, but also because he doesn't trust a lot of these other folks. It's an important part.
2: Can we consider him a paragon? Because he's basically taking the place of Brandon Rouse Superman.
0: The paragon of truth is yes. the role he's filling in. So, I mean,
2: can we, w- without him coming in, we would not have no way forward at this point. He's got the remnants of the Book yeah. of Destiny, and he comes in because he saw the seven paragons stuck at the vanishing point, needing help, and he comes in to help.
0: But he's not a paragon, technically. So the real question is, how screwed are we? He replaced a paragon. Does that his handwriting in the Book of Destiny overwrite what it actually is? Or did it corrupt things? I, when I first watched it, I read it as a, oh, crap, Lex just killed us all. When I watched it the second time, went did Lex bend the rules somehow to make it be him? I'm not sure I understand. So I think this may come into play in part four.
3: The Monitor said that he had a role to play. And, you know, the monitor also said he hasn't been able to see really well. So perhaps Lex is going to be able to fill in, be able to actually see it from a different point of view and actually help.
0: If you do what they've been doing in the comics as of late, at one point in time, Lex Luthor was in the Justice League, is my understanding. He was a hero, fully redeemed in people's eyes. And,
2: and in the mechanical Superman suit or whatever it's called. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so maybe this is the redemption tour for Lex Luthor, and when we get out of Crisis on Infinite Earths, he's known as one of the men who helped save the multiverse with Supergirl and Superman and and Batwoman, things like that, and he spins that off into his own potential successes and God knows what. Kind of the same vibe you had in the Marvel comics when Norman Osborn basically becomes a hero temporarily and tricks everyone into thinking that.
2: I don't know if he can go back to the Supergirl show because you still have lena luther there and they've done that whole thing with her character i don't think you can get lex and lena on the same show anymore
0: they are gonna have to rewrite stuff histories and stuff as we get back to having one or more earths so who knows how they effectively rewrite things to fit people in they've got some flexibility that since they're literally rewriting the entire universe they can play fast and loose and make changes to try and fit things together. Maybe he goes to a different Earth and becomes a hero there in his own mind. I don't know. He killed a lot of Supermans. so there's plenty of space out there.
2: Well, I was just going to bring up that you brought up before Tyler Harklin is getting his own show. Maybe John Cryer is going to go over there to be a character in that show, good or bad.
0: That would be interesting, actually. Uh, it's possible. It just who knows? He'd be great in the role. It's whether they can just afford to have him that much, because I imagine... From more of the actors there, he's probably a bit more on the expensive side.
2: And which is the bigger villain? John Criers Lex Luthor or Emperor Palpatine? Uh, John Criers Lex Luthor is a more interesting character right now. Right, and you consider how many worlds Emperor Palpatine killed versus how many worlds Lex Luthor might have aided in the destruction of in order to be called the hero. Hmm... The entire multiverse versus a few planets. I think Lex Luthor wins
0: in that scale.
3: Sure. Okay, Chris. Is there any last thoughts you want to talk about when it comes to this episode?
0: Yes, I have one final thought. Why is John Diggle not the damn Green Lantern yet? That is what I want to know. Because you still have two episodes of the crossover left. He's dead now, though. Is he? everyone's dead except the final seven how can you go through
2: the next two episodes with just the cast we have left
0: uh you're not going to they're going to find a way with presumably my guess is i know nothing other than seeing a preview is that episode four is going to set something up that resurrects more people because there's no way that the final battle is just seven heroes they're going for their own end game esque final battle i bet
3: sp Final thoughts? Yeah,
2: a couple of things. First of all, we didn't talk about the world's finest confrontation back and forth and the fact that the kryptonite passed from Batman back to Supergirl. I don't know if that was necessarily necessary to set up between the two. I, it's a lot better than Batman versus Superman and no Martha moment. But what <laughs> was it? Necess- I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Having gone through Batman versus Superman, I don't think it was, but we didn't have Batman versus Superman in the Arrowverse. I mean, I guess it can be implied it was part of it, but I don't know if that was necessary or not. The other thing I wanted to say, and you mentioned Diggle again, why isn't he in the green arrow? We do get Diggle at the beginning of this episode. He comes in and matter of fact, the ship says, oh, announcing Diggle has now joined us. And the first thing you hear is him bitching everybody out. So I think that was more true to the character and we should have gotten that last episode.
0: Yeah. So going back to your kryptonite piece, I like that personally because it's a callback to something they've had in both the comics and the Justice League slash Batman cartoons, which is the one man that Superman trusts to have the kryptonite is Batman to put him down if he gets out of control. The same sentiment being echoed here between Supergirl and Batwoman is that Supergirl is trusting her to have that so that if something goes wrong, she can be brought back in line. So say, let's say hypothetically, she gets red K, red kryptonite or something and is rampaging out of control. Kate's not going to kill her with it, but she'll certainly put her back in her place and use it to get her back into a good state.
3: And I also liked how it was an emotional confrontation. Kate was able to tell Kara, don't use the book. You, we can't take the risk of something happening to you because if something happens to you, then everything could be lost. And then that finally gets Kara to not use the book. And then Kate, you know, confesses like, "Hey, look, I got this," you know, and the car is just like, "You know what? You keep it." I like that moment, and I also like the fact that Snart is the voice of the Wave Rider. It's delightful. I just, oh my god, that's magnificent.
2: But the Wave Rider is gone now. The Wave Rider got taken over by the antimatter explosion, so you're not going to see it in the Vanishing Point, which is kind of uh, hard to take because how are they going to get off the Vanishing Point? I don't know.
3: Well, we are going to find out on Tuesday, January 14th, because that's when Crisis Infinite Earths Part 4, which is Arrow Season 8, Episode 8, and Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 5, Legends of Tomorrow Season 5, Episode 0, will air. Um, after the defeat on Crisis Part 3 at the hands of the Antimonitor, the seven Paragons must fight to bring back the multiverse. Worlds lived, worlds died, nothing ever will be the same. Part 4 is directed by Glenn Winter. Part 4 is written by Mark Guggenheim. Part 5 is directed by Gregory Smith. And Part 5 is written by Kito Schmitsu and Ubay Mohammed.
2: Kito! Live from the Starling Tribune hiding point within the vanishing point, it's the weekly news roundup with award-winning chief news anchor Michelle Ely. And now, Michelle Ely.
3: Talk about spoilers. You would think, I mean, I know this is good news for all the shows involved, but I think it would have been nice if they could have waited two weeks because crisis is here. And then you find out basically everyone's going to live. Why? Because CW renews 13 series. CW has ordered second seasons of Fat Woman and Nancy Drew. CW has renewed All-American for Season 3. Black Lightning for Season 4. So there's a Black Lightning. Charmed is Season 3. Legends of Tomorrow Season 6. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Somehow Dynasty is going to be around for Season 4. I don't know how that's possible. Jeez. The Flash. Yay! Season 7. In the Dark Season 3. I have no idea what that is. Legacies Season 3 riverdale gets a season five roswell new mexico season three i had no idea that was still around and supergirl season six so we're still going to have a supergirl with the superman i saw a little piece with oh the woman who plays lois lane elizabeth to look i think it is yeah she was talking about how the scripts for the show are amazing so they're obviously in that scripty pre-production part so it looks like the cw is willing to have a superman and a supergirl show at the same time
2: and don't forget there's also star girl coming out too
3: that's dc universe
2: yeah true but it's connected
0: i'm curious to see whether superman and supergirl will air at the same time or if we're talking supergirl season ends then superman season starts or something like that
2: isn't superman supposed to be off world don't know huh? Okay, I thought I had heard something about that, but...
0: He was in Supergirl until Crisis. They brought him back. I thought the implication was it was like him and Lois struggling with married life, new baby, and superheroics or something like that in one of the uh, plot rundowns we'd heard.
2: But we already saw Tyler knows how to change a diaper after some practice.
0: I'm sure Mick can help him learn better. I mean, he's the greatest babysitter ever. Reading his
2: erotica to
0: <laughs> it's
2: gonna baby's, be one messed up kid
3: <laughs> i've I've read that it's not what you read to the baby it's how you read it to the baby
2: so this is a special baby though this is a super baby so think of all the smarts that are going through this baby so i don't know it's just like ooh.
0: oh baby's a baby
3: anyway that is the big news that we have here from the vanishing point
0: exciting and surprising guys
2: we have Three shows left. We actually have an Arrow episode next time. We also will talk about the Legends of Tomorrow episode. And it's good because they're back-to-back. So we'll be taking both of them on. I know we've been taking on all of the episodes so far in the crossover, one episode at a time. But this will be two episodes at once. So we'll have that. We'll have the ninth episode of the Arrow season. And we'll have the finale of Arrow, the tenth of the season and the finale. That's all we got is three episodes. We might do a wrap-up after that, but really, three episodes is all we have left of the Starling Tribune. It's, it's going to be a, a rush to the end here.
0: It's going to go out with a bang, too. It sounds like cause Stephen Amell was talking online about some ridiculously awesome fight scene they filmed at the end of Arrow. That it was everything he ever wanted to do, and they could go over the top because it was the end. So there's something cool coming. <sighs>
2: I hope Bam Bam choreographed it because he's, he's a genius at that. Or maybe, I don't know if he did or not, or if they brought in somebody else, but I would hope they would have let Bam Bam. Okay. Okay. Bam Bam. Here we go. This is what we want you to do. Anything you want. What's the budget? <laughs> right anything you want really <laughs> okay here we go you know Jock Cryer was talking about and this is a slight spoiler for the next two episodes although no information whatsoever he was talking about a fight scene in the next two episodes and i don't know which one it was going to be he was talking about it in a quarry and they were filming it with explo- actual explosions like dynamite explosions going off all around them And so that is coming up. That's exciting. So if Bam Bam can top that or whatever whoever's doing it for Arrow, I can't wait to see that. So that's what we got, three episodes. And uh, Starling Tribune, uh, I I won't say we'll be gone forever. I was thinking about this, especially with Legends of Tomorrow got renewed. We might come back and do a season recap of Legends of Tomorrow. I don't know. We'll we'll have to talk about it between the three of us. But as of now, we have three episodes. Uh, For sure, anything after that is bonus for Starling Tribune.
0: Well, guys, this has been a fun one. Uh, especially thank you to everyone who was checking out the show live as we streamed on Geeks.Live this evening. I know we saw some comments coming from YouTube's side of the house. Also, a giant thank you to everyone who downloads the episodes over at StarlingTribune.com or catches replays over at YouTube.com slash geek Just thank you, everyone, for consuming our content.
2: If you want to talk to us even after the show is over, you can roll into our Discord server at GunnaGeek.com slash We have a channel over there called Starling Tribune, and that is where all the DC talk is. So Warner Brothers, DC, CW, we're all talking about it in there. You can catch all three of us over there whenever you want to, or talk to everybody else on the Gunna Geek Network that's interested to this. Once again, that's GunnaGeek.com slash Discord. And remember, you can catch us live for the next three shows on Thursdays as we record at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific at www.geeks.live.
3: We would love to hear from you. We are the Starlight Tribune on Facebook and Instagram, at Starlight Tribune on Twitter, and you can call us at 612-888-CAVE. That's 612-888-2283. Well, this brings us to the end of another great episode. Any last words before we sign off? At Stargate Pioneer.
0: Hashtag Cosmic Treadmill.
3: At the Chris Farrell. Hashtag
0: Brandon Routh Superman is great.
3: And I am at Michelle Ely signing off with hashtag Diggle is my lantern. Oracle, I think we're done
1: here. This was the Starling Tribune. You can leave us feedback at gunageek.com or check out our archive at starlingtribune.com. Visit gunageek.com for more podcasts. Music by Kevin McLeod can be found at incompetech.com. This podcast is not produced or maintained by The CW, Warner Brothers Television, CTV, or DC Comics. All characters, stories, and situations are the property of Time Warner. No infringement is intended. We will see you for the next episode of CW's Arrow.